God, you can be seated. We're happy you're here this morning. Amazing weekend last week. If you worship with us here in Easter, as you see our GPC kids go, we did a, a, an outreach to reach out uh, to some of your friends, your children's friends. We did an Easter egg hunt, and uh, we had over 40 kids show up, and all glory to God uh, was speaking with Allison, and she said there was 17 decisions for Christ made uh, in our kids' ministry last week. Can we just give God a hand for him working and moving? I love it. And all glory to God as well. As many of you are working hard, you're serving. We're a little over three months in into going to two services here at our church. Uh, but we were able to see a, an Easter Sunday record here at our church with uh, 60 that gathered together in our 9 o'clock and in our 11 we had 100 people that came to worship together. So over 160 came to worship here on Easter Sunday, and that's all glory to God. You're inviting, you guys are evangelists, you're sharing stuff on Facebook, you're getting the word out that, hey, there is healing for your brokenness that's available in Jesus Christ. So thank you on behalf, uh, as your pastor, for how much you love, how you give, how you sacrifice, how you worship. You know, this morning is... um, we're in the season between where Christ is risen, where we celebrate the resurrection. And 50 days, 50 odd some days from now, we'll experience Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came upon the believers and sealed them. Uh, they spoke and uh, the spiritual gifts came about. The Spirit of God hovered over them and power was released. So in between now and then, I want us to dig in to uh, some good letters from Paul. This morning, I really want to look at Ephesians where it talks about the richness that you have in Christ. You know that you have riches in Christ that are spiritual heavenly blessings that are given to you that because of God's work on the cross, because we have the same power that conquered hell, death, and the grave that it now lives within us and it can resurrect us. And Paul, who was an apostle of Jesus Christ, writes the letter of Ephesians so beautifully and displays that, hey, believers, These are riches that you can possess. These are heavenly blessings that you can walk in. And so this morning, if you have your Bibles, come on, who who still brings a Bible to church? Maybe you're old school. That's good. Amen. God bless you. Hey, that's okay if you don't. There's Bible apps. Pull those out. Take notes. Highlight. I'll know you're not texting. You're all good to go. But I'm excited what God's going to do and really want to kind of break it down, really kind of do a teaching this morning. And just get into the richness of the word because it's the word that changes us. It's not me. It's not my words. It's his word motivated and fueled by the power of the Holy Spirit. So when we see his word, that's where true transformation happens. And my heart from day one is to always give stage to the Holy Spirit. Always give room for the the word of God to touch your life. And we honor God's word this morning. So there's a story I came across, and it it really speaks to, as we get into some context of the church in Ephesus or the Ephesian people that Paul was writing to, it's kind of a funny story, but it says this, in 1916, a woman by the name of Heidi Green had died. When she died, it was discovered that she had left an estate valued at over $100 million. That's a good estate value right there. It was an enormous amount of money then as it is still today. Heidi Green may have been wealthy, but here's here's the catch. She was known as America's greatest miser, or she was extremely frugal 
She didn't spend money on hardly anything. She saved, saved, saved. So it says she would often eat cold oatmeal because it was too costly to heat the water to cook it. Anybody ever been there? Cold? You've been in a place where you've been trusting God where you're eating cold oatmeal. So we see that uh, she was extremely frugal. It said that uh, once her son had suffered a severe leg injury and she spent so much time looking for a free clinic that the leg of her son had to be amputated because she waited so long. She even, has, she even hastened her own death by allowing herself to get so worked up into a fit of rage. Come on, some, uh, me and, this is going to be me and Brie over one and two percent milk. It was an argument over skim milk because it was cheaper than whole milk. So things got under her skin pretty easily here. Here's, here's the principle and here's the truth we see out of this. Heidi Green was a woman who possessed great wealth, but she did not have the ability to tap into it. I believe that speaks of so many Christians today, is there's this great rich, richness, this great wealth in Christ, but so many believers aren't tapping into what God has given us through the power of the cross. And that's what Paul writes to the church in Ephesus, that, hey, you got to wake up. you got to tap into the richness in Christ. A little bit about the church in Ephesus is they were an extremely physically blessed people. They had a great economy, great commerce. Uh, they were very blessed in their, in their lands, their buildings. Everything was, was very rich and blessed. So they knew what it meant to have material wealth, but they hadn't yet discovered what real spiritual wealth looks like. It was also a very pagan society. It was a very sexually driven culture in Ephesus. The letter of Ephesus was written uh, by Paul between 61 and 63 A.D., as well. Uh, Kenny, if you want to put up our slide, this is really the token that you can take away of what Ephesians is all about and how it applies to your life. It says this, Ephesians was written to teach us all about whom we are in Jesus Christ, what we have because of our relationship with him, and how to use what he gives us for the glory of God. I think this is a prayer we all have, that when we read God's word, when we see the, the promises of God jump out of the page to us, as we begin to see whom we are, we, get, we begin to see our relationship we, that we have with him, so whose we are, and then we want to say, okay, okay, God, I see this. Now, how does it apply to my life so that I can bring you glory? Anybody? Let me see your hands. Who wants to bring glory to God in your life? Well, there's a richness in Christ that you have that is available to you, kind of how Ephesians is set up as well is Ephesians falls in neatly into two parts. Chapters one and three are more about doctrine and, and understanding grace, understanding mercy, understanding forgiveness. And then chapters four through six are very practical. You'll see what, how godly marriage is supposed to look like, how Christian community is to be like. And then we get into some of our favorite scriptures as believers where it talks about the armor of God. Anybody still put your armor of God on every morning? You, you, you suit up before you head out for the day. It's pretty amazing. We have chapel here for our students on Friday. Tune in live. You can see it on Fridays at 8.30. Shameless plug. But you can uh, see these students suit up and lace up their armor. It's powerful. Where You have 80 students, helmet of salvation. They're roaring. They're chanting. Man, you're ready to go to war when you see these kids lace up their armor. So we're gonna, you're going to see all about that and how that applies to your life. Some key words, if you're taking notes, that you'll see throughout Ephesians. My heart is that you would dive in, that you would study this, you would take this on your own time and allow the richness 
to bless you in it. Ephesians mentions riches five times. Grace is mentioned 12 times. Glory is mentioned eight times. Fullness or filled is mentioned six times. In Christ or in him is mentioned 12 times. And the idea of in, with, or through Christ is found some 30 times. So you'll see those key words that that is the heart of what Paul is trying to get through to us, that it's not by our power, it's not by our works, but it's by coming into agreement with the price that Christ has already paid and seeing grace begin to be displayed in our lives. I'm telling you, grace displayed in your life is one of the most powerful things you'll experience, and it's one of the most powerful things those around you experience when they just sense a knowing, wow, they're they are in grace, they're understanding grace, they're walking grace, they look, smell, feel like Jesus. And that's what we want our lives to be, a pleasing aroma to Christ. So let's look at the scripture. If you got your Bibles, open it to Ephesians 1. If not, you can cheat and it'll be on the screens behind me. Here's what it says. This is a greeting from Paul. It says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and the faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Go ahead and highlight that verse. It's a key verse that makes everything come together. Verse 4, Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoptions as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of time he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will." that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. Verse 13, in him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed you were sealed, somebody say sealed, sealed. with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. Beautiful, beautiful language there. You study this, this would be known as something by the church known as a doxology, which would be a language of praise before God. So this is, you can, you can imagine Paul just trying to process the resurrection, trying to process how can I put into words what grace is, and all of this would just flow out of him. And if you were to read it in the Greek, it would just all kind of flow together. It wouldn't be all separated. So it's, it's a beautiful passage of scripture that is believers, when you want to praise God or when you want to get in your, in your closet and, and just pray or your, your prayer quiet time, just pray through this and praise God that blessed be the God of our Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Now in 
first century Christianity, the Jews would be very familiar with what physical blessing would look like. You can go and you can read Old Testament, Deuteronomy 28, where they would see, okay, if, if I do this, if I follow the law, then my land would be blessed, my, my livestock would be blessed, my life would be physically blessed. But when grace showed up on the scene, it took it to a whole new place where now there is spiritual blessing that can be applied in my life. There's blessing that the world has not yet known because of what Jesus, our Messiah, our Savior, has done. And that's where this, this response that we see in verse 3, that blessed be the God of our Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, is Paul's response to this richness that he has in Christ. If you're taking notes this morning, the title of the message is Rich in Christ. So I wanna, what I want to do is just go through as we read this text and pull out the blessings that you have that are deposited into your spiritual account. That when you're going through tough times, when you feel you're in the valleys of life, or maybe you're on the hills of life and pride wants to try to rob God out of your life, these are blessings to go back to that help keep you sustained, that keep you balanced, that keep you level-headed, that keep you mature, and that keep you confident. Anybody want to be a Christian that's level-headed, that's mature, that's confident, that doesn't allow external circumstances? Here's the life of faith. The life of faith is being so confident and assured of what Jesus has done in your life and that the Spirit of God has sealed you, that no matter what hell is going on around you or pulling at you or tugging at you, there is an inner peace and an inner assurance that no one and nothing can ever touch because we don't put faith in what's around us. We put faith in Him. You even see what Paul said in verse 3 again is that who has blessed us. The blessing has already happened. It's up to us to get in line with that blessing. So what does that look like? Well, if you're, if you're injured or if you're sick or if you're battling something, you, don't, you just don't say, oh, God, please, please heal me. You say, no, I am healed. By his stripes, I am healed. I have power and authority because God has already done the work. So... Our first point, if you're taking notes, is spiritual blessing, as we talked of. This isn't something that is going to happen. It's something that's past tense. It's already happened. It's already in line. Jesus already paid the price. We had to realize that there's this blessedness. And, and what happens when you get a hold of this richness of Christ, that there's this blessedness in your life? And here's the thing we, I always try to, to bring to the forefront, is blessedness is not more money. I've said before, the cheapest thing God could ever give us is more money. God wants to give us so much more. He wants to give us the fruits of the Spirit. He wants us to be able to walk in joy and love and peace and truth. Going after blessing isn't just going after more money. God is talking something that's in the heavenlies. This is a spiritual blessing for your life. Number two of what we have to know and what we see through this passage of Scripture is that we're chosen. I love this uh, quote by a church father. It says that Christ, who is God by nature, became man by choice. If we choose him, we who are human by nature become like him by grace. God made a choice to, be, to enter into our humanity so that he could identify with us. He could take what, what we deserve, and he gave us what he deserves. Christ now sits at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us. So he paid this price. Well, what's the results of grace? We're getting into that. There's this richness 
that he took what we deserve and gave us what he deserved. There's a couple quotes, Kenny, if you would put up, that comes from an early century church father in Russia. This is what he said. He said, after the fall, human history is in a long shipwreck awaiting rescue. But the port of salvation is not the goal. It is the possibility for the shipwrecked to resume his journey with the sole goal of union with God. Our sole goal in this life is to be in communion with God, is union with God. Salvation is the first step, but then when we begin to walk this path, this life, this journey known as faith is, is going after the fullness of everything that God has for us. The only time you'll ever, the only place you'll ever experience being truly human is being truly like Jesus Christ. The more you, you take on Christ, the more you become all that you were intended to be. The more you see your brokenness healed. Anybody ever is a witness of that? When you've went toward Christ, you've experienced healing and a broken emotions. You're not angry anymore. Your anger can be healed. You're not faithless. You're not depressed anymore because you realize that you're chosen and that God has a purpose well beyond of what we could ever think or imagine. He's able. He's able. Amen. And so we see this, this beauty as Paul continues to roll out the scripture here. Verse four again says that just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Number three, we see that there's holiness, that by the price that Christ paid, he gives us access, he sees us as holy. He doesn't see us as our own nature. He doesn't see us as sin anymore. It says that, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. The beauty of it, of this scripture, is that God made a choice for you. And it was a choice out of love to choose you, to pull you in. And so it says that no longer are we full of shame. No longer does he see us as sin. As we said in communion, because he who knew no sin became sin for you and I. He no longer sees your wounds, your mess, your scars. He sees the righteousness of Christ. It's a good place to say amen. You are the righteousness of Christ in Christ Jesus. It's a beautiful exchange that took place as we celebrate resurrection power within us. Number four is adoption. That he's adopted us. Me and Bree, we've talked a lot about adoption as she was adopted as a baby from Romania and had parents that took her in. And even as, as we've talked, kind of what it does, realizing, okay, I, I don't know who my birth parents are and, and, and working and processing through that. But there's something powerful that when you know you're adopted by God and through faith, through grace, you can get to know the creator of the world. That that's why he became identified with our humanity to bring us divinity. He was the bridge in between heaven and earth so that we can know him and that we can know that we are loved and that we are adopted. I love this. God is the originator and the initiator. You know what our part is? We have to respond to him. Our job is response to the work that he's already done. So many times, though, we don't respond to his grace or don't respond to his love because of our brokenness, because of our sin nature. But when we realize that there's spiritual blessing, that we're chosen, that he gives us his holiness, and that we are adopted, guess what? We begin to respond to his work in our lives and his work on the earth. 
It's amazing, this process that begins to play out. I love it. Verse 5 says that having predestined us to adoption. Now, when you hear the word predestined, you might think of a theologian by the name of John Calvin who went really far with predestination, and there's a lot of talk and stuff around it. But when you just love the beauty of the mystery of being predestined, says that he's predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. I love it. That long before we were ever a thought on earth, because of what Jesus has done, God made a choice that he wanted you a part of his family. He wanted you grafted into grace. Aren't you thankful that you've made a decision that you are grafted into grace this morning? It's beautiful that he's predestined us, that God made a choice before we could ever respond, that he wanted us. And what, what do we do again? We respond to that choice when we come and we receive salvation. Or every day when we wake up and we go to a job we don't want to work, we have to put our attitude in check and say, guess what, I'm going to respond and I'm going to allow grace to touch and heal and then I'm going to be graceful to everyone around me. You know what's pretty awesome about this? As we read in the scripture, it said that he makes us sons. Now, this isn't leaving women out or this isn't leaving different groups of people out. The reason that he says he calls us to be sons is because you have to understand how inheritance worked back in first century Christianity. How inheritance worked is if you were the firstborn son, you were the one eligible to gain that inheritance. Any firstborn sons in here, you can, you can feel it with me. Too bad we're under grace now, so that doesn't work. <laughs> but that's how we understand the beauty of this inheritance, is that he's calling a son, so he's basically saying whether you're a servant, whether you're a slave, whether you're rich, whether you're poor, male, female, whatever, you now have access. I call you a son so that you can have access to this inheritance. Now, as believers, you know, there's this view of salvation that says it, it's my ticket into heaven. Salvation was never to be intended to think that way, that it's, it's just a ticket into heaven, that if I responded in an altar call or I prayed a prayer, I'm good, I'm done, there's really nothing else for me. It's sad, but a lot of Christians or a lot of people outside the church live that way, that I prayed a prayer, so I'm good. So I never go any farther into Christ and, and experience this richness. And so we have to understand that salvation is so much more than fire insurance and a ticket into heaven, but it's access into grace so that we can have the fullness, the richness of Christ working within us, sealed by the Holy Spirit. And when we get to Pentecost, we go even a step further because then grace really comes alive in our lives. And so there's grace for you. There's grace and mercy and forgiveness in Christ. Verse 7 says again, in him we have redemption through his blood. Who's thankful for the blood of Jesus and the power that it gives us in our lives? The forgiveness of sins. And look at this. According to the riches of what? His grace. His grace is so rich for your life. There's a richness in it. Grace, mercy, and forgiveness. Love it. Zacchaeus experienced that last week as we talked of his story of grace. That he was the most least deserving he had taxed people to a place that would uh, bring such extreme poverty into their life just to line his own pockets. But grace brought 
who was due at the back of the line to the front of the line, and Jesus called him down from the tree, had dinner at his house, and his life was forever changed. Grace, a lot of the times, does not make sense. The thing is, we can't earn it. We don't deserve it, but he richly gives it to us. And here's the thing. Out of this response to grace, we throw our lives and we say, as it is in verse 3, blessed be the Lord God, our Father. There's this blessing we want to give back to him because he has so richly blessed us. So many Christians don't know how to worship and don't realize what's been given to them, so they, they never bless the name of God because they don't know the richness that they have in Christ. And when you realize this richness, it changes your prayer, it changes your worship because you see what God has done. And when we respond to it, how it begins to change us from the inside out. Number six is God's will. Aren't you thankful that God has a will, a plan, a purpose for our lives? Verse nine says again, having made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself. God takes good pleasure in revealing the mysteries of Christ to you. So it's having made known to us the mystery of his will. In Christ, we can know his will. You know, there's this, at a time in my life when I was 18, I believed if I can just get away from home and go find myself, then everything will start to make sense. You know, there's some problems with that thinking. Really, what we should be doing in any stage of our life is if I can throw myself into Christ and figure out his will, then everything in my life will make sense. And I'm thankful for parents and I'm thankful for a church that showed me that if you pursue Christ, you can find what, you're in, what his purpose is on your life. Don't ever get it backwards. You throw yourself into him, he throws himself into you. Seek him while he can be found. Ask, seek, knock. Scripture is full of going and pursuing Christ. One of our values here is passionate pursuit of God. When you have a passionate pursuit of God, you see his grace and his work, his will come alive in your life. I love the story of Genesis and Moses. You know his story when he uh, went into the cave and there was a burning bush and God spoke to him through the burning bush. You know, that's how God desires the word of God to be in our life. It's something that's burning, that's alive, that's speaking. When you get to know the scripture, you begin to know what your purpose, what, your, what God's will for your life is. Let it be a burning bush. Don't let it be a book on a shelf that, gain, that gets dust or an app that never gets opened. Open God's word and get to know his will for your life. It's powerful. That's how we know what we're called to do. Second Peter 1.3 confirms this and assures us. It says, according to his divine power that he has given unto us all things. Somebody say all things. That pertain unto life and godliness. He never leaves us empty-handed. He doesn't leave us hanging. He gives us all things that pertains to this Christian life and to pursue godliness. Through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory, and to virtue. Love it. I'm preaching so good to myself right now. <laughs> Number seven, he makes all things new. Aren't you thankful that there's coming a time when Christ will return and he'll make all things new? So he's speaking to this, that one day everything is going to change. Heaven and earth is going to come together in the dispensation of the fullness of time. And when we see these seven truths, we begin to say and realize and not just say, but live it like we're blessed. We begin to allow the richness of Christ 
become real in us. Because what's salvation, what's grace? Is we're saved by grace through faith, but it just doesn't end there. We're saved by grace through faith for something, and that for something is good works. When you come to Christ, you put off dead works and you pick up living works. And God uses your hands, he uses your mouth, he uses every part of you to bring him glory because we have a realization that we are blessed and we are rich in Jesus Christ. A man by the name of Diedrich Bonhoeffer, if you know his story, it's amazing. You can Google him, look him up. But he talks of grace. He says this about cheap grace. He says, cheap grace is the grace we bestow on ourselves. Cheap grace is the preaching of forgiveness without any repentance. Baptism without church discipline. Communion without confession. Cheap grace is grace without discipleship. Grace without the cross. Grace without Jesus Christ living and incarnate. Don't allow grace just to be a ticket into heaven. Allow grace to transform your entire life. Don't ever underestimate the value of repentance of sin. Repentance, as Jody talked of several weeks ago, is a matanya. It's coming down and saying, I want my mind, my will, my emotions to change, and I want to begin to walk into the fullness of God. It's a whole change of heart. And we live a life of repentance because when we do, the fullness of grace, the beauty, the heaviness of grace comes upon us and empowers us to continue to walk and pursue holiness. I love it. And so this morning, you need to know that you have a richness in Christ, that you are predestined, that God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly in your life. And when we hear these truths, we can't just keep it within us. We have to go and live it and allow it to change every part of our life. Aren't you thankful this morning that you're rich in Christ? Is it coming alive? Is it stirring something in you? I pray it is. Because if you allow the word of God to stir you, it turns into action. And then you can see situations and things change in your life. Transformation. Amen. That's my heart for you this morning. I wrote some of these things down because... This riches in Christ is not a prosperity gospel so you can get more money, so you can get lands and houses. God does want us to have prosperity, but that is not his message, and that is not the fullness of his focus for your life. He wants you to have spiritual blessing in heavenly places. It even says, focus your eyes on heaven, and don't get caught up in earthly things. Don't build your treasure here where moth and rust can destroy, but build your treasure in heaven. When we begin to see the richness in Christ, again, it changes us. It takes anger and it gives us joy. It takes bitterness and it allows us to walk in furious love with people. Imagine that you could walk in such a love where someone can mouth off in front of you and you're just like, grace and peace be to you, and you walk away. I'm telling you, there's a strength that you can have within you where it don't matter what anybody says, what anyone says to your face, what anyone tweets you, there's a confidence because you know there is riches in Christ. And if you do the right thing, God will take care of that person. So you have to ask this morning as we touch just briefly on some of these, what are blessings that you lack? And if you see blessings that you lack, guess what? You can attain it. You can go after it. You can pursue it. If you feel poor, according to the text, you have been, been given every spiritual blessing. Christian, if you would come. If you feel alone and unloved, you have been chosen and elected and predestined. 
This morning as we were singing, I am not alone in our first service, I felt God was just de- uh, depositing this, this attitude and this spirit within people that I'm elected, that I'm chosen, that I'm predestined, that I'm not, when I put off my old nature, I can be new, I can be loved, I can walk in the fullness of what God has for me. Because we live in a world that longs to be noticed, that longs to be accepted, that longs to have um, worth and purpose. And so if we don't see that our richness, that our identity, that our DNA is now in Christ, we go to everything else that can just give us a quick fix, that can make us feel valued. But when we know that our ultimate value is in Christ, we can still have those things in our life, but it's not feeding us. The only place we ever want to be fed is by Christ and by his word. So if you ever feel dirty, unholy, or shamed, you have been given in Christ his holiness and his blamelessness. If you feel unforgivable, you have been given glorious, rich grace. If you feel confused, you have been given his will for your life. If you feel abandoned by family, you have been adopted by him. If you feel heartbroken by injustice, he is bringing all things together under his son, Jesus Christ. What is stopping you from taking hold of your inheritance? This is an inheritance we wait to get at the end of our life because Jesus paid it at the end of his so that we can live in it now. His inheritance is for you now. Press in. Get into the richness of Christ. It changes everything about you. Romans 8, 17 says this, And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, then we may also be glorified with him. 1 Peter 1, 4, To an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that does not fade away. This is your inheritance reserved for you in heaven. Allow Christ to open up your eyes. Allow him to open up your heart. Take hold of the richness that Paul speaks of in Ephesians. I want to pray if you would bow your head and close your eyes. Do some self-reflection. Open up the eyes of your heart right now. And just ask God, what are areas in my life, present day, right now, current situations, that I need grace, that I need these heavenly spiritual blessings operating on all cylinders in my life. Maybe there's an area where, okay, I'm good with grace, but I'm really struggling with God's will for my life right now. I'm really struggling where to put my kids or what to do with my kids, or I'm really struggling to love my husband or to love my wife. When there's the richness in Christ, riches should overflow out from you into other people's lives. Right now, Holy Spirit, we ask you, the one who seals us, the one who gave us a down payment to give us confidence to know that you're coming back again. You're our promise, you're our hope while we're here on earth that we can have power and authority. We can destroy the works of the devil off of our lives and we can become truly human the way you've intended us to be and to walk. Father, we don't wanna be shipwrecked in any area of these lives but we want the fullness of your truth and of your love and of your life to literally flow through us. We want to know that we are your beloved. We want to see ourselves as sons and daughters that have this rich inheritance and that it would motivate every decision we make, that we want the richness of Christ in our life. Right now, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would deposit this richness into this church, that it would change us, that we would be so full of grace, that we would be so full of truth. We would know God's will. We would hit the mark. We would hit the target. God, that your spiritual blessing would mark us and it would be our DNA. 
in Jesus' name. We thank you for these blessings. Now teach us, show us to walk into it as we discover and, and as we explore Ephesians, that this was Paul's heart for this church. He didn't want, it, want them to get caught up in worldly affairs, but focus in on these spiritual blessings that will truly change a heart, that will change a life from the inside out. We thank you, Lord, for this. If you're here this morning as we're praying, and maybe you've never made a first-time decision to say, I want to follow Jesus that I want him to be Lord of my life. I want this inheritance of the richness of Christ. I want grace. I want mercy. I want forgiveness. If that's you and you're sitting here under the sound of my voice, grace, access to salvation, the scripture says that if you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart that he is Lord, he will make you a new creation. He will come in and he will be Lord of your life. Surrender is the first step into this life of richness in Christ. Maybe you're sitting here and you felt that, man, I've lost vision, I've lost sight, I've backslid, I've, I've not had Christ as focus in my life. Well, there's forgiveness and grace for you to come back home. He welcomes you home this morning, not because anything you've done, but because of what he's done. He'll take your backslide, he'll take your fear, he'll take the pain that you've caused, and he'll make you blameless. And he'll put his, breathe his life in you and welcome you back home. If that's you this morning, you felt like you backslid, if you felt like you've never, made, if you've never made a first decision for Christ, I just want you to raise your hand right where you're at. Just slip it up and I want to pray for you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Now, church, if you would lift your hands you would just lift them in a posture to receive from the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're our seal this morning. With our hands lifted, we receive the work of Ephesians 1. God, that this richness in Christ, that we would walk in the reality of this. The Word of God doesn't put us in a fictitious life. It makes us deal with our reality so that we can walk and be all you've called us to be. We don't want to escape we don't want to watch someone else living a life rich in Christ. It's for us. It's for me. And God, we want everything that you have. So we surrender to that. And we thank you as we go on this journey, as we head toward Pentecost, God, that you're going to do amazing work in our life and in the life of this church, and you're going to blow us away. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said amen. 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 Well, God bless you. Grace and peace be with you this morning. I'm believing that God's going to do powerful things in and through your life. Brent, if you would come and bless our time of giving together.